Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Let's Talk About It. My name's Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversation about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our Christian faith. We are truth seekers and love Jesus. And just like Jesus, we invite all to the table. That, my friend, is where you come in. If you have something to say or a perspective to share, don't be shy. We would love to know your story. You can reach us at laurenandadamofficial at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. And without further ado, let's Let's talk talk about it. it. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today, we have David Hayward, who is the online artist who goes by the name Naked Pastor on social media. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being on. Um, Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came up with Naked Pastor? Okay. Well, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really glad to be here. Um, So... uh, a long time ago in a very far place from you guys in Canada, I was born, but uh, I, I say in my bio that I, my own ecumenical movement because I was baptized Anglican. And then from there we went through all kinds of different denominations. And so I've, I've been around, but I've been around or in Christianity for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, um, I think where things got really serious for me was in youth group. And that was in the Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to uh, a Bible college, a Pentecostal Bible college in the States. And that's where I met my wife, Lisa, who's an American. Okay. And um, we just, I, I went from there to seminary. And then in seminary, I think is when I started to deconstruct. Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah. As a conservative evangelical seminary, but I read a book that wasn't on the syllabus <laughs> <laughs> for good you reason I guess. Yeah. <laughs> things started getting me in trouble yeah and and that's when um my deconstruction started but it was very glacial uh very slow mm-hmm. process for me okay. um and basically what that book did was started me questioning the inerrancy and infallibility of of scripture okay you wow. know that whole doctrine yep. that Basically, it was God written. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> that's when it started to crumble. And for me, that was kind of like my Jenga block tower. Um, that was the piece that was holding it all together. Right. Wow. And when that was pulled, uh, that's when everything started shaking. But like I said, it took probably decades for me to get to the end of that yeah. sort of deconstruction journey. What was that book, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it's called The Silence of Jesus by James Beach. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. he's a. Um, I don't want to say obscure because that sounds um, pejorative. I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. He, just so, somebody read it and recommended I read it, and so he 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 sort of takes a Nietzschean critique of the Bible mm-hmm. and um, the sayings of Jesus, and basically he comes down to that. There are maybe seven of all the sayings of Jesus, so-called sayings of Jesus that are genuine. 
And, you know, and then he goes from there to talk about what he was really, his message was about. And so anyway, all that to say, (laughs) it was very, yeah, it was very interesting. I still have that book and I still appreciate it very much. Yeah. So the person that recommended that book to you, were they on a deconstructive or a deconstruction path or was it just something that they were like, Hey, we happen to be on the same path and the same journey in the same place. My, my goal was to be a New Testament scholar, okay. and so I was studying um, New Testament and, and as well as Old Testament. So I had, I had Hebrew, and I had Greek, and I had Aramaic, and I had theological French, theological German, and all this stuff preparing wow. myself to be a, a New Testament scholar. So any of these books that came on the horizon, you know, um, talking about uh, the Gospels or uh jesus or the historical jesus or anything like that i was mm-hmm. interested in yeah and that was around the time when the um jesus seminar was going strong that uh, they would determine which were the more authentic sayings of the historical jesus and what weren't authentic and so on so yeah. these things were hot issues at at the time and uh yeah so i i went to seminary and then from there i i became a presbyterian and then from there, I got ordained Presbyterian, um, served in the Presbyterian Church in Canada for a long time. And then then from there, I went to the Vineyard Church. Mm-hmm. And um, then in 2010, I, I resigned from the ministry, taught at a university for a couple of years. And then from there, I, I launched um, The Lasting Supper, which mm-hmm. is my online community for people who are deconstructing. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, selling my cartoons and things like that okay. but the, the term naked pastor came around from uh, i think at the time the naked chef was mm-hmm. a show yeah. yep uh he doesn't call himself that anymore um uh who's his, what's his name now james um i don't anyway I don't even know but yeah, yeah i know who you're a, talking about a, yeah and so i i just picked the naked pastor as a name and yeah Kind of being, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I was had a very, very small audience at the time. I thought nothing of it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, here it's Naked Pastors cartoons are seen around the world. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. they're amazing. I mean, honestly, when I was looking through them and I first found you, I was, they're so, they're so fun because on one hand, like it's, you get to laugh at them, but on the other hand, it's like, wow, but like, that's true. So it's, it's like sad. It's like healing and also humorous right. at the same time. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you do a really good job of like kind of blending the world of, uh, yeah. Entertainment, but also healing, which is really cool. Yeah. Definitely well, elicits a very, uh, visceral response in you. <laughs> like you always <laughs> kind of can find that space, at least for us being people that have been in the contemporary Christian sphere for a long time like you definitely can find that spot that it just kind of twists the knife just a little bit (laughs) yeah Yeah. and just to give you a a little background so adam and i both we were in the christian music scene for um all of our lives but professionally seven eight years um and have recently been out of that um and then with Uh with within that journey we've also been deconstructing our own beliefs and um Mm. yeah a lot of our 
old ways of thinking are now <laughs> out the door. <laughs> um, and yep. so, yeah, we've definitely found your account to be something um, very healing and uh, others who follow you as oh, well. Thanks. It kind of creates a community of people. And obviously the last, you said the lasting supper is your online. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. Was that created before your, your Instagram naked pastor? Um, yeah, I only joined Instagram, I don't know, last year oh, wow. or something, okay. or not very long ago. I didn't even realize and that your Instagram was so young. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is pretty young. And uh, it's, um, it's amazing to me how um, the community on my, com- you know, the community around Naked Pastor on Instagram is growing. Mm-hmm. And it's all organic. Like, I'm not trying any tricks or anything. Right. There's just people who are finding naked pastor and, and uh following me and i try to follow back if i can but yeah. um I, you know what uh, what's interesting to me guys is um there's other ex-christian musicians who are following me on instagram and they they reach out to me and say i'm i'm recovering from the christian music scene oh, it <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a recovery. and i can't believe their story i i can believe their stories obviously i yeah. can't believe them but oh. it's like it's so sad how prevalent this um, deconstruction is, and how people's blinders are being lifted, and yeah. how uh, the control and manipulation and taking advantage of people, right. um, abusing people, is so prevalent. And being puppets within that, I think a lot of Christian music musicians and artists feel like they were puppets and so they like for Mm -hmm. me i can speak for myself i feel guilty for some of the ways that i was like almost projecting the same things that i was like being poured into me from the like evangelical or super conservative um church Mm -hmm. Uh, so i feel like this almost like remorse and guilt but also i have my own damage that i'm having to like work through and trauma that i'm having to work through and i was just talking to another friend actually this morning who was another (laughs) ex christian artist um pretty well-known one um and you know he's going to here soon going to be coming out with a lot more things vocally like he's going to be speaking more which he hasn't at this point it's been about two or three years for him and he's finally going to speak out and i'm really happy for him to be able to you know speak his truth and um but there are lots of christian artists or ex-christian artists rather that yeah have have a lot of story i would love to have a support group for (laughs) ex-christian artists at some point that would be that would be amazing i live in that we live in nashville tennessee so we're kind of central that's where a lot of us tend to land anyway so we'll see what happens with that in the near future yeah Yeah, it's it's um, it's very interesting for sure yeah it's uh and and this is something i care about you know um uh, people who are deconstructing theologically and also from the church or from the music scene or whatever um like uh it i try to help people um I, I know one of the most difficult things for us to deal with when we, you know, leave the church or feel like we've been kicked out or we, we leave the music scene or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of bitterness. Maybe there's anger and resentment. And I know I certainly felt that. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I try to help people process is, you know, uh, how can you become, instead of a victim in their story, a hero in your story? Wow. And so how can you go back and look and sort of take control of the narrative um, and and come out 
the other side saying, you know what, I, I live that. That's a part of my story. Mm-hmm. There's choices I made, yes. Um, there's mistakes I made, yes. But look, I, I'm who I am now. Yeah. This enlightened, uh, free, strong and courageous person because of what I went through. Right. Yeah. And um, you, sort of, you sort of rob the power out of the hands of your perpetrators and take it into your own hand to say, you know, I'm, I'm owning it. This is, that's my story. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's things I wouldn't do now, but, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, I use the analogy of compost. That's half shit Mm -hmm. and half (laughs) earth. Yeah. You just kind of fold it in together and it makes a very nutritious soil out of which you grow. And it's the same with your past. Like there's real, negative stuff and real positive stuff but when that's all mixed together um look what you've become and this is this is a thing that should be embraced and appreciated yeah Yeah, i think that's i think that's what's happening a lot is is that growth is happening and starting as people are starting to open up a little bit more about their experience in the industry yeah 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 and i of course you know some of my favorites do you call them comics or your drawings? Your, I don't know. I, kinda... uh, I call I call them cartoons. Cartoons. Okay. Um, yeah. So some of my favorite cartoons that you you have done is the ones that deal with like um, the worship leader, of course. <laughs> 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 I always really like those. They like strike a chord with me for sure. <laughs> uh, 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 that's funny. Um, I, I got the pun. You did. <laughs> you, you struck a chord. <laughs> um, and and I have also noticed that you are a you know very loud and proud ally to the LGBTQ community and women, mm-hmm. minority. Um, was that part of your deconstruction um, that, you know, you were kind of awakened to the um, injustices there? Or when did that happen yeah. for you? Okay. So <clears throat> my, like I said, my deconstruction theologically began uh, with in, in seminary with the whole idea of the um, of scripture being um, inerrant and inspired right yeah. and so that was my uh, the beginning of my theological deconstruction uh, where uh, it's like the thin end of the wedge like if you if somebody says you know um, Jonah and the whale is not history right. it's not factual well, if you say that, then you have to be open to the fact that there might be other things in the Bible that aren't historical and factual. Exactly. You know, it's a thin end of the wedge. Yeah. So once you start down that road, I'm afraid there's no end, right? Yeah. So, and then um, I, I, there's another kind of deconstruction, and that is um, ecclesiological. That is the church where I, you know, I experienced a lot of... Um, really negative nasty experiences with uh, spiritual and church leaders yeah. and um you know i just i have stories you would not believe and so you know here's an institution that we were taught to trust and taught to devote and submit ourselves to unquestioningly and um and yet it was you know killing my soul yeah and um you know experiencing real serious abuse so and then that if you if you start questioning authority so i'm afraid there's no end to that one either (laughs) (laughs) so was that was that um that abuse and all of that that you were seeing in the church was that specifically when you were working with the church or or was that retrospectively when you were growing up in the church and seeing 
seeing how you were treated and, and the no, experiences while you was, had. Yeah, while I was in the church. Wow. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I was a pastor myself for around right. 30 years, and um, I took breaks from that. And one time I helped an international, very, uh, at the time, famous international ministry. Um, and I experienced unbelievable abuse under that leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, once you see the underbelly of, as you guys obviously know Mm -hmm. from the Christian music scene, once you've seen the dark side, (laughs) it's it's really hard to deny it exists. And you, you wonder how far it goes. It's, it's interesting to me because when we kind of started our way into the professional side of things and seeing a little bit more of uh, the community that surrounds international touring artists and things like that, it was, I think, mutually difficult for both of us to see some of the the not-so-agreeable things that would happen while we were out on the road. Um, mm-hmm. But we were kind of always put in a place where it was, we were told that, like, uh, people are always imperfect and that God can do perfect work through imperfect people. And that was kind oh, of the mentality that right. was taken with <laughs> with that rather than owning any like sort of responsibility for the... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, instead, of, instead of taking responsibility for that abuse, it was kind of passed along to say, well, you know what, we're not perfect anyway, so we'll just keep being imperfect and let God's perfect work happen through that anyhow. Yeah, like allowing I injustices, know. basically, in the name of like religion and the name of God or Jesus mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Well, it, it's this, this is something I've always uh, challenged is where um, people turn Bible verses or theology from descriptive to prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So let's say all things work together for good. So uh, that's descriptive. Yeah. That's somebody noticing that, Hey, um, somehow things always come together and you know, whatever. But some people, so that's kind of descriptive, but some people say, hey, therefore, I can do whatever the hell I want, and, you know, things are going to work out. Right. And people actually take it that way. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I, I totally agree with you there. And it, it always kind of led to that that hiding of a lot of the, the stuff that was happening in the church as well, because it was kind of like yeah. you, you don't want to be the person that's screwing up the work that God's doing by revealing the imperfection behind the scenes. Well, you don't want to be the one person in the crowd that's saying the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's true. that's true. And before we you know, get much further, um, can you explain to us, some people listening may not know what even deconstruction means. Could you explain okay. that for us? Okay. Um, let, me t- let me clean up a couple of things first. For my, my name, Naked Pastor, basically means me being honest and vulnerable mm-hmm. and open and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm all out there. Yeah. I hold nothing back. So that's what naked pastor essentially means. And so mm-hmm. when I um, am talking about um, well, the reason I started the blog naked pastor was because I wanted, and I, I was a pastor at the time of a local church. I wanted people to see behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to see what really goes on in the life of a pastor, the difficulties, the struggles, the joys, you know, the, the, the temptations, the mistakes, all these things. I wanted them to see that what the real life of a pastor was, including my wrestling with orthodoxy and um, with uh, theology and, and all these things. And so 
this spilled over into me being honest about my own faith journey and my own theological journey and my own questions. Mm -hmm. And when people see me being open and honest and vulnerable about the questions I was having, people would start to um, respond with their own, you know, they felt validated in their own questions and journeys and were sharing their own struggles. And, you know, it's kind of, um, sort of snowballed into this um, thing where people um, around me and the community were, they felt free to question everything. And, wow. and um, when you start doing that, it kind of starts eroding at the, the uh, um, faith and belief structures that we've built over our lifetime. Yeah. So that's what deconstruction, I, that's why, the way I use it. I know it's a philosophical term right. um, from, from France, um, and, but uh, I use it to describe the erosion of our beliefs, yeah. you know, the crumbling of our beliefs. It's kind of like this house has been built over our lifetime, we call our, our beliefs, and the deconstruction is when it starts to crumble, starts to fall apart, yeah. and, and it can happen to us, but we can also participate um, and actually intentionally dismantle some of these beliefs that we've carried with us for so long. Yeah. So that's what deconstruction means. I love that. Thank you. Um, you know, you were saying how you started the blog while you were still a pastor, right? Is that correct? Right. Okay. So what was the, like, was there a reason you decided to stop pastoring a church since you were already kind of starting that journey of like, sharing openly mm-hmm. what was the reason for you know stop you know pastoring a right. local church okay i've always uh, i've always wrestled with my calling as a pastor um ever since you know i, I was told i should be one <laughs> <laughs> even on the night of my ordination you know i was really sweating mm-hmm. it out and my friends who i get ordained with were like just shut up and get ordained already. You know? <laughs> it was like, so I, I just kind of went through with it, not saying it wasn't legitimate or anything or authentic, but yeah. I just really struggled with it and, you know, kicked against the bricks for my mm-hmm. whole, whole pastoral ministry. But when I started getting really, I, I felt really, really um, safe in the church I was pastoring. Okay. It was a, a wonderful community, had a great leadership team. Um, a very strong sense of uh, of uh, freedom uh, to explore and to investigate and question, and and so I felt free to do that. And uh, so I was writing about stuff on my blog and talking about my questions and my doubts and these kinds of things. And um, I was progressing along. I say progressing. That's my word for it yeah. uh, it would be backsliding and right <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> but uh so i started getting you know letters and calls from um my authorities mm. and people and they were saying things like you know uh maybe you should check with us before you publish on your blog and mm. this kind of thing so mm-hmm. i knew my time was up yeah wow. and uh it was it was within a year that um i left the ministry uh, mm-hmm. I felt, and we left on good terms. So it was an amicable, amicable mm-hmm. divorce and everything, but it was like, uh, I just felt I'd run out of space to grow. That's, I, hmm. that's so interesting because I've not heard somebody else explain it 
from their perspective their own story because that's exactly I mean not exactly exactly but that's very similar to my experience with leaving the Christian music industry um, because it was it was strange because I was starting to evolve and grow and people were kind of growing with me but then yeah like leaders in the industry and um, Mm -hmm. gatekeepers in the industry I started being like hey why don't you tell us before you post stuff like maybe you should filter this and that and the other like Mm -hmm. it started it was the same (laughs) kind of thing where it was like okay we're like happy for you but also like could you just like not (laughs) Um, (laughs) like this is a product please can you I think that I think one of the most difficult things that I had heard at least was that you needed to respect the people that supported you your career and you needed to honor the things that they were supporting when you first came up in the industry yeah well I had that but just I I don't know I just feel like what you said David was just so like I don't know similar to my story because it wasn't that's the weird thing because it wasn't like this at the end of me you know leaving the Christian industry it wasn't like this huge like blow up like I had a fight with somebody or anything like that it was just like I I've kind of run out of room here. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't progress here. And, but well, speaking, yeah, it's, it's, go ahead. Just, Sorry. just speaking like earthly terms. I, I like, I did have room to grow cause we had just won a Juno award. And so it was like, Oh, that was like the pinnacle. We had gotten to this place in our careers where you would think like, okay, now you have room to grow. Like, you know, the other people's perspectives mm-hmm. that, it would seem like I would have even more room to grow than ever before where, but like spiritually and mentally and emotionally, I was running into walls like over and over. Wow. Yeah. uh, You know, we're not alone. There's so many people who have the same story. Basically um, stay on brand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got to stay on brand and and like the pressure to not change. Mm uh is enormous on everybody not just me as a pastor or a church leader and and you guys in the music industry you guys want to you know and you know you're you're you've got a market and mm-hmm. you've got fans and followers but even uh the person sitting in the pew who's finding their own business the same pressure the same pressure mm-hmm. to not change i've often told people imagine I think fear is at the root of of uh, us not changing. Because yeah. imagine if everybody in your life, everybody around you, said, "You go, mm-hmm. Lauren. You go for it. You go. You go for it. You be you. Mm-hmm. You take whatever. You do whatever it takes to become your best self. Yeah. And we're behind you all the way, even if we don't understand it, even if we question it, even yeah. if we <laughs> might think you're wrong. We, yeah. We're behind you. We're going to support you." I think people would change. Yeah. I think they would allow themselves to be transformed. Yeah. Um, but instead we get, you know, we're surprised you're saying this or this mm-hmm. isn't going to help sell albums yeah. or, you know, this is not how the vineyard talks or, you know, you know, all this kind mm-hmm. of pressure yeah. to, uh, to stay the same. It's, it's just, uh, just incredible. Yeah. And do you identify as a Christian or, mystic or any other form of spiritual practice or belief? well my 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 favorite people right now are the mystics mm-hmm. um but um me too <laughs> uh, i tell people i tell people that my home's in christianity but i have cottages 
everywhere. Yeah. And um, it's in my DNA. It's my family of origin. And mm-hmm. I don't wish to uh, deny that or reject it or anything. But I, I do honestly feel that I'm one with everyone, that mm-hmm. on a deep level, we're deeply connected. Yeah. And, um, you know, the only thing that seems to separate us are thoughts. Yeah. We might call them beliefs, but they're just a thought. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, that's all that separates us. Yeah. And so on a deep level, we're one, but there's many different um, kinds of thoughts. Yeah. And uh, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I love that. And with your, you know, you said Christianity is your home, but you have cottages mm-hmm. in other places. Can, is there a way, could you give an example of like what that would look like in a practical way, like in your spiritual practice or, um, yeah, anything, anything like that that you kind of take bits and pieces from? Well, yeah, like if I read, uh, um, uh, I think as, as we... Um, open up our minds and uh, enlarge ourselves. Uh, I now see growth rather than linear or stages. I see it as spatial where we get larger and larger and larger. Mm -hmm. And it includes everything that's gone before. We don't reject anything. It just is a part of our story, a part of the mix. And so we we get larger and larger and bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger and greater and greater and uh, the, and it includes everything that was previous yeah. in our lives. So when I um, when I'm reading like the mystics, uh, if I'm reading um, Meister Eckhart or mm-hmm. uh, you know um, Saint John of the Cross or um, yeah. um, Teresa Lazier or any of these other mystics or Thomas Merton mm-hmm. in his later years or I'm like, yeah, this is my language. They're speaking my language. But then when I'm reading Carlo Ravelli, the Italian uh, physicist's uh, book on seven brief lessons in physics, and he claims to be an atheist, but I'm crying because Mm. (laughs) it's just so moving and so deep. And it's just so obvious that we're deeply connected to everything. And then, you know, when I'm reading Slavoj Žižek, the... um, Estonian philosopher, um, I'm I'm totally identifying with what he's saying, and or if I read a a, a, um, uh, a Buddhist or a, a Muslim or mm-hmm. an atheist or it doesn't matter. Right. In many ways, I I feel they're or Rumi. You know, I feel we're speaking yeah. the same language. Yeah. yeah, and do you think in a way like taking those bits and pieces? Um, and absorbing and being a part of these different, but all the same <laughs> belief um, systems. Uh-huh. Do you do you think that is what some people would call reconstruction? That's funny. I was just talking about somebody with that earlier today um, about reconstruction. Um, I I kind of avoid that term because uh, it it. Um, I think sometimes it's born out of an anxiety that we need mm. to be something mm. yeah. or, or believe a system or become something. And I see that a lot with people who begin deconstruction. They're uncomfortable with the no man's land nature of it. And yeah. they immediately jump into, um, you know, uh, a different religion or uh, they dive deep into yoga or, yeah. uh, or, or into uh, um, 
crystals or, you know, essential oils or they jump into atheism or they, mm-hmm. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong right. or questionable. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we're, we're desperately looking for something to identify with. We're looking for right. a label. We're uncomfortable yeah. walking around with no label on our can. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, for me, the label is for people outside. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. Yeah. It's to identify to other people what I am. I don't, I'm not worried about that anymore. Yeah. I, I know what I am and I'm very fluid. I'm not, I'm not any one thing at any one time. Yeah. And there's an atheist in me. There's a believer in me. There's a Buddhist in me. There's a uh, Muslim in me. There's a philosopher in me. There's a mystic in me. You know, there's yeah. a fundamentalist in me. There's all these things flowing in and out. Yep. And um, my, my choice is to be the best person that I can be at any given moment. And it's kind of like that analogy where the person standing by a river and I live in front of a river and it's huge. Mm -hmm. And if I go down and I dip a cup into it, I can point to that cup and say, this is the river, but really it's not. It's a part of the river and that's the river in front of me in its Mm -hmm. entirety. And even at any given moment, this is not the same river, but it is the same river. And I feel that that's kind of how we are as individuals. We're, we're, we're like a river of, you know, channeling all kinds of things through us. And we can at any given moment choose something that we identify with and point to it and say, yeah, that's me right mm-hmm. now. But right. it's not really the you right now mm-hmm. in its entirety. And so um, the anxiety about um, needing to, have a label on ourselves is a really, I think it really often comes down to um, needing to belong, yeah. uh, needing to feel accepted and acceptable, and also um, overcoming the fear that we need to stand, stand somewhere, mm. you know? I think and, that's huge. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah. I, I love that. I know for me, I, again, was talking to my friend this morning, um, about this uh-huh. specific thing. Cause I was talking about how I think I used the word progressive and he was like, be careful. Like you're, you know, that's, that's, that's still like, a that's denomination. Still, yeah. You know, um, he wasn't saying be like, he was just saying to, yeah, be, you know, be careful with my own words and the labels I put myself in, because I know for me, one of my struggles, even as a really like young kid, I remember feeling like I didn't fit in one box and I craved to fit a box. Like, Mm. you know, I, when I was little, Mm. I I felt like those were the people who had friends were the people who fit in a box. (laughs) So it's like, well, you know, for for me, if I, if I had liked certain things or dressed a certain way, I could have these group of friends and whatever. And I, and I feel like my whole life, I've kind of been obsessed with labels. And I feel like a lot of people are obsessed. I think as humans, we, it helps us understand and break down things. And I don't think it's healthy. I think it's some, I think it's a, um, what do you, what do you call it? Like a, a tactic, I guess it's just a coping mechanism almost with like this yeah. human experience. We're just wanting boxes and labels and constantly um, looking for something to be able to align with. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely yeah. my struggle for sure. When it comes to this deconstruction, I'm I am somebody who's like, okay, I've deconstructed. Now, now what? (laughs) I'm done. I've finished the deconstruction. I'm like, on to the next thing. What am I? And, um, you know, we are, I believe we are spiritual people. And that is where it 
begins and ends um, is that we are spiritual beings. Um, well, I feel like that whole yeah. deconstructing and opening yourself up to the vernacular of a lot of different religions or practices or ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. There was a message that we had heard at uh, a church that we've been attending recently where they were talking about how um, Christianity or um, Buddhism or whatever, um, any any different practice is just a pinhole and everybody's looking through a different pinhole um, at this massive thing that they see mm-hmm. as God or the universe or or whatever whatever their you know creator Reality. is right. and and everyone um can tend to, to want to find another pinhole that they can see the same thing from another perspective rather than expanding the one that they're looking through because it can tend to be a little bit more difficult and it can yes. tend to be a little bit more divisive i mean only only in the sense of social practices because because once you start expanding something that people have believed to be um the only thing that you can look through the only lens that you can see this thing that is a divine creator that has the wrath of heaven and hell and all of those things and uh determines something as as massive as an eternity um when you start trying to stretch that and change it into something else it it tends to tends to upset other people's uh, belief systems. Totally. Why do totally. You, why do you think it, it seems like now more than ever people are are leaving structured religion that are or or are leaving religion altogether? Why do you think it's happening? Seemingly happening so much more now than ever before. Well, if I was to take a, you know. Uh, from my own life, it's just because I felt I ran out of room. I, I really honestly feel that if the church um, had said, and my higher-ups had said, hey, man, you know, you're you're exploring, you've got questions, and uh, we're really interested to see where this ends up, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> I, I would have stayed. I would yeah. have stayed. Uh, but, um, you know, there's there's too much at stake. Um, uh, you, you know, that just you just can't, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, and I think that's what's happening with a lot of people is they either the, they don't feel that they can be authentically themselves. And I think that's a real driving force mm-hmm. for a lot of people. They want to be authenticity is valued. Um, and the church generally speaking does not promote authenticity. Yeah. Um, uh, I think people have questions and the church generally isn't comfortable with that Yeah. Um, because it creates chaos and it's hard to control chaos. Um, the other is uh, I think people um, who are interested in spirituality might also um, have a, a hunch that uh, just like you were talking about the pinholes, that there's something more similar to all of these religions and movements and philosophies that are dissimilar. Mm. And um, the church, generally speaking, is pretty exclusive on who has the rights to the truth. Yeah. Um, and um, also, uh, it's just not relevant um, and, and maybe boring. Mm. Uh, I, th- I think the churches that might be seeing most of the um, success in, gr- in terms of growth are the ones that are exciting, like you've got your Hillsong, you know, with all the lights and smoke and mirrors and 
music and um, shouting, preaching and altar calls and all that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's exciting. Yeah. And um, or that are really doing relevant, valuable work in their um, neighborhoods towards the poor uh, inclusion of LGBTQ people, um, you know, uh, the elevation of women to positions of power, you know, these kinds of things. I'm, I, I know people who aren't even Christians who go to churches yeah. because they appreciate um, the, the fact that they're relevant yeah. in terms of, you know, the things they're doing. Right. Do, do you so think, I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, I was just going to say, do you think this, this process, do you think a lot of this journey, the deconstruction, do you think it's a spiritual practice? Like, do you think it's like a spiritual, is it something um, mystical or can it happen without the sense of woo-woo for some people? Do you know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't know what you mean. So like. I, mi- I missed you. No, that's okay. I, I feel like for me, deconstruction has felt like like a spiritual practice. Like it feels like it's, it's something that is, um, I mean, it's a practice, something that I, I'm working on right. and I'm continuing to do. Um, is, is it possible to do this without like the emotions of it? I know we just interviewed somebody who grew up non-religious and for her, she te- technically wouldn't have to deconstruct a whole lot of things. I mean, there are things culturally that she has to deconstruct. Do you think right. that this is something that's like a practice? Is this something that um, takes, I've heard you say like, take your time. And I think that's one of the the most beautiful things that you can t- tell somebody when it right. comes to this right. is to take your time. It's on your own time. Nobody's like yelling at you to hurry up with your deconstruction. Um, right. Yeah. Do you, do you consider this like a, a spiritual encounter or, um, or anything like that or is it yeah i don't know i think i think it's different for different people but the people who um have been in um this sort of um really strong you know maybe conservative evangelical belief system for their whole lives i think they have the hardest time so for a lot of people it's like a cataclysmic event when when it really um when the when the dam breaks and Mm -hmm. everything comes apart i think it's really 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 super traumatic and it takes a while for some of us to get to the place where we actually feel like we can start doing rehab right and and when it actually does become a practice because at first it feels like we're being done too right and then and then it takes a while to get to the point just like in any physical therapy if you've had a major accident or anything Mm -hmm. like that uh it takes time to actually you know start doing the work of of uh, getting back on your feet or whatever so um you know for for some people where (coughs) their deconstruction isn't as traumatic it's more like it's more like an exercise it's more like a an intentional path and you know they're they're doing it but other people it's like uh they they don't know if they're gonna make it they really don't think they're gonna survive their marriages are on the rocks you know they everything's up in upheaval they've lost relationship with their families they've yeah. you know lost all their friends um for those who were in ministry they've lost their livelihood and right. their vocation and their sense of meaning and purpose in life mm-hmm. i mean it's Me. it's it's huge <laughs> so it, it takes a while for them to come around to the spot where they they feel okay 
Yeah. This is actually healthy. Yeah. Right. And now I can I can actually start making something out of this. Right. But that takes a while. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I I read mm-hmm. somewhere that on your account that it, um, you and your wife do you don't have the same belief systems. Can you speak more on right. that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How does that work between you two? <laughs> uh, we fight all the time. No, we don't. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Um, well, when I, my theological deconstruction, um, like I said, it began in seminary. So that was a while ago. That was before we had kids. Mm. And it was just mm-hmm. slow, methodical, kind of a glacial meltdown, you know, like it just took a long time until yeah. it came to the point where I realized uh, I'm sounding, I'm sounding more like some of these secular philosophers and mm-hmm. and uh, quantum physicists and mystics than I am an orthodox Christian pastor yeah. and um, and then Lisa she had her own journey all, all the while and you know she's from deep south Alabama yeah, and okay. um, she was part of a holiness church and you know all this kind of thing but she's also um, part Choctaw Indian and she's very connected to her natives you know her um first nations uh spirituality kind of mm-hmm. thing and she's interested always been interested in that and mm-hmm. and she feels most at home in the woods and and mm-hmm. you know so we you know t- her spirituality has a whole different flavor than mine yeah and and now though it's always been an idiosyncrasy before but now it's like well that's who she is yeah. Th- that's mm-hmm. her spirituality is different than mine and her beliefs are somewhat different and mine are, are very different from hers, but but when I left the ministry in 2010 for the next couple of years, that was very, very, very tumultuous. Like mm. where there were times we did not know if we were going to make it or not. Yeah. And um, it, it just because we we refused to make any decisions while we were confused. Yeah, we were going to wait for clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of counseling. Um, we got a lot of therapy. We read a lot of books. We did a, had a lot of conversation. Um, also, we'd also invested in our marriage heavily before that, so we were somewhat prepared for, you know, um, a difficult stretch. Right. But it was like it took a couple of years for us to find our juju again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I and, get it. Uh, and um, you know, it now our marriage is better than it's ever been yeah. um, because we realized, you know. Um, it wasn't the compatibility of beliefs that keeps us together. It's the love that we have and mutual respect we have for one another that keeps us together. I I love the woman. Like, she's an amazing creature. Like, she's just astounding and um, Mm. wonderful And because she's so different than I am. Yeah. And fascinating. And and she feels the same about me, I think. Yeah. And so that's what that's what uh, we found. That's what it drew us together in the first place. Right. You know, yeah. it wasn't her Pentecostal uh, statement of faith that drew me to her, to right. be honest with you. Yeah. She's she's drop dead gorgeous. That's the first thing. Yeah. I <laughs> and um, and yeah. so, you know, what drew us together was actually what kept us together. Wow. Mm. That's it's yeah. it's similar to our story a little bit in this process of deconstruction that we're both going through here. Just because cool. um, I, a little backstory on my own faith is I grew up in a, a home where we were, we would go to church, we would read the Bible, that kind of stuff. But um, 
my dad actually had gone through uh, Christian college and studied, um, you know, uh, all, all through different Bible classes and all, all sorts of things like that. And so there was always like this sense of questioning right. already that was happening okay. within our household. So I was kind of always on this inevitable, pa- inevitable path of, uh, I always had my reservations about what was true and what was, and what was story. Interesting. And, um, and so I was kind of always on my own path through that. Um, but then there was a moment that, that Lauren had that moment where it After really hit her. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Where it like really hit her and, and she was like, I don't believe the I don't Bible. believe that everything is necessarily <laughs> yeah. true in the Bible. Yeah. And I don't believe it's inerrant. I had, I had already been in that place, but it was very obvious to me that she was ready, uh, socially ready to claim that space. Mm-hmm. And I had always been in this place where I would, I would say the things that needed to be said and kind of carry my own beliefs with me. And so we got to this point where our conversation started to really revolve around what, what are we publicly claiming as, as things that we believe or things that we support. Right. Um, well, as somebody who's a, I was a public figure. And so I'm used to saying what I believe and, right. Yeah, and I had been kind of silenced for a few years because being in the Christian music industry, and so I was ready. Yeah. I was ready to speak things out, especially because I was going through a lot. And um, yeah, like you said, the thing that kind of made everything crumble and fall apart was me realizing that the Bible is not inerrant. Right. And um, yeah, so that was a whole a turned my whole world upside down. And obviously, I'm very grateful that my world was turned upside down but it was a lot mm-hmm. yeah to work through and between the two of us it was just like we had always we'd always been on the same side talking about um our experience in the christian industry and how our faith was maybe a little different than what we had to put out there but then once it got to a place where our belief systems were a little bit different um where she had had this this huge change, and when she finds truth, she clings to it. Um, <laughs> it. It led to a little bit of moments where we had to take intentionality, yeah, um, to to develop our own beliefs Not outside of one down. another, <laughs> and then bring them to right. each other in a in a yeah. in a peaceful and open conversation. Yeah, right. And I I read that you have kids too so they mm-hmm. do they come after the deconstruction or during the deconstruction where, where did they fall in that timeline yeah so they they came around uh like like i said my deconstruction started early but it was very 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 gradual it could you couldn't even notice it happening mm. um, because i survived as a pastor in basically orthodox pretty orthodox churches for about 30 years so our kids now are 33 31 and 20 seven okay two boys and a girl mm-hmm. and um uh, but they they were young adults when i left the ministry got it and mm-hmm. um you know they they're something that we've always valued in is um you know autonomy yeah. spiritual mm-hmm. independence mm-hmm. so they're very different but they all have their own style of spirituality mm-hmm. um i don't think they would identify as christian yeah. Um, but they would definitely feel a connection to, you know, um, something greater or, you know, spirituality or yeah. however you want to call it. It's yeah. hard to find the language the to divine describe. something. Yeah. 
Maybe though, mm. although maybe not. You know what I mean? Right, right. right. What, what, what is divine? Like it has so much baggage with that. Mm. Like right. when somebody asks me, "Do you believe in God?" I'm like, first of all, what do you mean by God? Yeah. Because you know, that comes with a lot of baggage. Yeah. And, believing in um, something greater, I guess, is probably the best way. Like something bigger, something. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody's yeah, <laughs> everybody's verbiage is going to be different based off of their experiences they've had, whether it's trauma or good things. They're going to have different words that they mm-hmm. choose to choose to use. And yeah, mm-hmm. well, cool. yeah, cool. Are you ever recognized yeah. in public as the naked pastor? I was I was just curious about that. If anybody's like, oh my gosh, you're the naked pastor. It's public. happened to me a couple of times, like at an airport or yeah. whatever. But um, around here where I live, I'm totally anonymous. Nobody knows who the hell I am. Like, it's just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, um, except the people who used to go to my church or, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, other churches might, but, um, no, I'm pretty, uh, it's, it's a weird thing. Like my cartoons really literally are going around the world and, um, you know, uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm hearing from people saying, "I saw one of your T-shirts today in <laughs> Moscow or whatever." So and crazy! Wow. It's, it's it's just so bizarre. Well, they but, take on uh, their own personality too, and their own character. They definitely do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. I enjoy what I do, and yeah. um, you know, I because I really do love helping people through their deconstruction, and yeah. um, I just love validating people's journeys and listening to their stories and helping them to know that they have every right to be spiritually independent and self-determining and autonomous and to own it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just really cool to watch. Yeah. And I would assume that's probably like the best part is just kind of helping people on their journey. As somebody who was a pastor, you, you seem to love helping people. I do. Yeah, I do. And so you're in Nashville. Yes, we're in Nashville. You're a, you're, a, you're a, an expat. You're a Canadian still. Okay, so <laughs> um, I do have dual citizenship, but that's because of my native heritage. Um, okay. So my reservations in Canada. Um, I've never okay. lived in Canada. I have family that still live on the res and in Canada. Um, okay. I grew up in North Which, Carolina, but. Oh, okay. Um, Which reservation? Where? Uh, what tribe? Chippewa of the Thames, First Nation. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's up in, it's right outside of London, Ontario is our reservation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from uh, around there, Newmarket, Ontario, which is near Toronto. Okay. Oh, yeah. But, uh, we love Toronto. Oh, we've yeah. We've been to Toronto a couple times. We lo- we've considered it, you know, with <laughs> with the things going on down here. And- <laughs> oh, my. It's always good to have a ticket to well, uh, escape things. <laughs> yeah. Lisa's uh, applied for Canadian citizenship. Oh, yeah. So we're okay. just waiting to hear. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. I'm. We might end up in, in the in the Great White North at some point. We'll, we'll <laughs> I'm from Minnesota originally, so I'm basically Canadian oh, okay. by proxy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <coughs> well, cool. Um, just I guess lastly, if there's you know one thing you would like to share with somebody deconstructing or looking to leave religion altogether, um, what would you say to them? Well, um, trust your gut. Um, that's what I, my, 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 um, motto for the lasting supper is help yourself. So Mm -hmm. I really do believe it's kind of like Tony Robbins when he says, I'm not your guru. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and that's one of the things that we were really warned about growing up was that you always needed to be under somebody's umbrella, Mm -hmm. under authority, accountable, 
Yeah. You needed a, a mentor or a spiritual director or a guide or a pastor or a priest or something. But no, you don't. Yeah. So mm. I, I just that. said people like take control of the wheel, take control of your own life, be codependent no more. Yeah. And, no. Um, you know, uh, become your own guide, become your own boss. Yes. You can listen to other people. I do. Yeah. There's people I respect. There's people I listen to. There's people whose advice I heed. Right. Um, but um, I'm, I'm spiritually independent, and yeah. I try to help other people do the same because, and I see that they can do it once they get used to the idea that, um, that they not it's not only their right their responsibility to take care of themselves. It's kind of like the oxygen mask in the plane. Mm. When it drops out, put it on yourself first. Yeah. Take care of yourself first, and then you'll be amazed at the energy you'll find to help other people. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, is so obviously people can find you. The Lasting Supper is that a Facebook group? Actually, or? actually, uh, yeah, they can find the Lasting Supper at thelastingsupper.com. Okay. But if they want anything, anything I do is at nakedpastor.com. Okay. I'll, okay. Nakedpastor.com. And then, of course, yeah. I'll share your Instagram so they can follow you. I've I've turned so, awesome. I've turned so many people onto your Instagram. Seriously, I talk about all the time. that's cool. <laughs> um, so yeah. Hey, so are you guys still making music though? Uh, yeah. So I I do music on my own now. I don't do it with the band that I had once done the Christian music with, but I do my solo stuff. And my last single actually was about <laughs> the Christian music industry and me leaving it. It's called Gloves. And it's about my experience. Yeah, that's the one you sent me, which yep. I thought was amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Because, and um, um, it's amazing how that can apply across the board for mm -hmm. so many people, like a, like in a marriage or a family oh, or sure. a church. Or it's just for about, you, it was the music industry. It's yeah. about really any kind of authoritative abuse, basically, um, and leading yep. that and finding my own voice and yeah so i i would hope it would mean you know obviously everything to me if someone heard it and they felt like they weren't alone they felt encouraged that you know somebody yeah. out there is like with them on the same team mm -hmm. as them and yeah so and that's why obviously i love uh, your stuff too so we'll be sure to point everybody to uh to your accounts and your website thank you thank you so much thank for you. being on the podcast today we really appreciate yeah, everything it's been really great say. thanks anytime guys all right have a good one you too. Bye. Bye.